Welcome to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram, where we talk all things leadership, change, and transformation. everybody, Dr. Jen Fram here coming back to you on what is now a weekly cadence of these podcasts. Um, As I flagged a couple of weeks ago when the world seemed to turn on its head a little bit that uh, I thought it might be useful if we just turn this into a weekly check-in where I can share with you thoughts or information studies that are really useful that come from the field of positive psychology, resilience, change, that might be helpful to think about as we all navigate the considerable uncertainties in front of us. Now, what might be a little bit of a familiar refrain now, it is time to check in and say, how are you breathing? Um, Wherever you are at the moment, whether you have your ear pods in and you're trying to achieve a little bit of relief um, from the family chaos, Perhaps you're on one of your uh, very much permitted walk around the neighbourhoods for a little bit of exercise. Just take this moment to check in with how you are breathing, making sure that the breathing is comfortable and it's expansive. And perhaps if you're feeling that you're a little bit shallow in your breathing, that you can check in with what it would take to make that breathing a little bit more comfortable and a little bit deeper. This has been a really interesting week for me. I think one of the one of the things, and I keep saying this because it, it feels a bit, um, what's the word? It feels a little bit unsensitive, uh, insensitive rather. It feels a little bit insensitive that I am finding such delight in learning at a time which is really quite traumatic and difficult for a lot of people. But um, I think from my perspective, you know, it it is the behavioural scientist or the social scientist within that is going, wow, what a time to be alive and experiencing one of the world's greatest social experiments. And what I was noticing this week was really that, that concept of collective energy shifts. And it felt like there was this really massive energy shift all around us of moving to this state of crankiness Um, and I saw it playing out on social media I saw it playing out in my neighborhood where all of a sudden people were just not interested in moving off the pathway for you so this notion of keeping 1.5 meters away from each other was gone Um, people were not giving up ground, they were in supermarkets, they were no longer prepared to give you space. It was just this real overwhelming sense of stuff it, I have had enough of this. And from a neuroscience perspective, that makes a lot of sense. We talked a couple of weeks ago about speed of change and we talked about the principle of run from pain and walk towards pleasure, that whenever we try and create change using a fear-based Uh, motivator we will run from it we will do it really fast but ultimately is not sustainable and so I think that's what we're seeing a little bit of at the moment because the motivator for self-isolation of keeping one and a half meters away from each other has been fear-based people have been able to do it for you know four weeks four to five weeks and now they're moving into this space of of stuff it and um just you know uh 
reverting back to previous behaviours. It's also really a good time to remember that, you know, I think the studies show we only need 3.5% of the community to create social contagion and positive change. So this is if, if you're picking up that your social media channels, you know, your Twitter, your Facebooks, etc., are being a little bit fractious and cranky, it's probably a good time to log off because the time that, you know, you spend on social media at the moment, given you've got no other access to other people, they create a lot more than 3% for you. Um, so I think, you know, probably it's a, a good time to be really disciplined about the practices that make you happy, that bring you joy, um, that counter some of the crankiness that is happening at the moment. Anyway, what I did want to talk about today um, was share some thoughts about where your focus is and the concept in positive psychology of post-traumatic growth. So if we start with where your focus is, a really good example came up in a conversation I was having with a friend on the weekend and the friend was saying, well, how are you going with everything at the moment? And I said, well, look, to be really honest, there's probably three pathways in front of me at the moment. One of them is um, going bust, bankruptcy, you know, uh, I, like many other, have lost work uh, with everything that's going on. The second path is, yeah, I'll get enough in to just scrape by. And then the third path is perhaps I could do exceptionally well out of this um, because this is one of those times in society when someone who's got skill set in, in change and, you know, uh, resilience and all those kind of things is, is probably in a really good space to do really well once organisations get out of their state of shock, which I think quite a few of them are at the moment. But what was interesting for me was like when I reflected on those three potential pathways in front of me, I've got zero ability to predict any of them, um, you know, in terms of what is the likelihood of any of those pathways coming forward. All I do have is the ability to choose where I'm going to put my focus. And so I tell you what, I'm going to put my focus on the fact that I could actually do exceptionally well out of this experience. Now, I don't think ignoring those other two paths is wise. I've long said the best thing you can do if faced with the what if of, you know, what if I lose my job? What if I don't get any more work? Um, what if my marriage breaks up? What if all of those kinds of concepts, which, you know, the what if question that creates us, creates fear and anxiety for us is to answer the sentence. So finish the sentence. If your question is what if, then find an answer for that what if. Um, do some work preparing for those scenarios. So if you lost your job, I'd update my CV and LinkedIn and I'd reach out to my network. I'd probably pull in all my discretionary spending. I'd contact the bank. Um, I'd move into a friend's spare room. Look, whatever it is. When you fill in the sentence, you take control of the uncertainty and what you're doing is creating a level of certainty for yourself that removes the anxiety of not having the certainty right so you know what we do know that neurologically fear begets fear the more that you spend time focusing on fear and anxiety the more likely it is because your brain is so efficient in seeking out threats that it will create or strengthen the neural pathways that look for things that will be fearful now, the same happens with optimism. 
the more that you spend being optimistic um, or grateful, the more that you start to build those neural pathways that allow you to naturally find those things that make you optimistic. So this is why I think it's really important to choose your focus wisely and give yourself a fighting chance at the moment. Um, this might be a time when you can step forward to your organisation or your community and perhaps present a solution that they've not been ready to hear. I think you can find more on, on this thinking, um, certainly through the NLP material, if any of you have done work in NLP and they talk about um, the, the RAS as a way that seeks out more of, of what you're looking to do. Back in the, um, gee whiz, when was it? It was um, early 2000s or the mid-2000s, I think it was. Um, some of you may recall The Secret came out, which was all about manifesting positive outcomes. And certainly if you're a de devotee of the likes of Tony Robbins and uh, coaches like that, you're going to hear a lot about this where you choose to put your focus is so important. Um, I, you know, I kind of, I feel a bit pragmatic about it from the perspective of whether you look at the woo side of it and the manifesting and the cosmic energy side of it, or whether you just say, look, what is the most healthy thing for me to do at the moment? Focusing on where you can have some stronger impact and more positive things seems to me a pretty pragmatic thing to do. It's kind of related to, um, for those of you who are across Stephen Covey's circles, you know, he Stephen Covey has the circles of control, a circle of influence and a circle of concern. And so, again, one of a, a really good activity to do, particularly when you're worried or you're unsure, is to sit down and map those items that you're worrying about. Are they within your circle of control? And you can actually do something about it. Are they within your circle of influence? And again, there might be some pathways that you want to do to have some influence over it. Or is it just within your circle of concern and you actually have no control of that? So, you know, in, in that sense, it's prudent to be attentive to it, but not be spending a lot of energy on it. And certainly that tool has proven really useful many times in organisational change work, um, particularly when you're talking to employees around what happens next, um, around things that are going to change that they don't have control over. So I think what I also wanted to pick up on, and it's, it's kind of, it's adjacent. It's, a, it's an adjacent concept, but it's not necessarily related. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. Um, but the concept is that of post-traumatic growth. And I'm mindful of it at the moment as what I want to talk about it is to present a, a possible pathway that is also out there for us at the moment, because I'm hearing a lot of my friends who are parents um, who are really, really distressed about what, what's going to happen to the kids when we get through this, you know, kids having extended periods of time without their friends, you know, what's that actually going to mean for them? Um, and there's a concept that comes from positive psychology which is called post-traumatic growth. And it is where a person who 
experiences a benefit as a result of adversity or other challenges. So they, they effectively, they rise to a higher level of functioning. Um, and so there's people that end up coming out the other side of a really traumatic period of time. And that period of time has actually been life-changing for them in a positive sense. So they have psychological shifts in their thinking and how they relate to the world. Um, and it becomes a personal process of change that is really quite meaningful. Now, some of the predictors in the research about post-traumatic growth are spirituality, social support, and your ability to cope you know, acceptance coping, so your ability to let go. So those people that tend to have a stronger sense of spirituality, um, remembering that spirituality is separate to religiosity, um, those people who are well-supported within their community and those that have learnt how not to be control freaks often are those that are in line to have more likely to be experiencing some form of post-traumatic growth. Um to evaluate whether someone has achieved growth, there's a, a variety of self-report scales and the researchers that you want to look for in this space are uh, Tadeshi and Calhoun. So in one of their articles in the Journal of Traumatic Stress, um, they suggest that you'd be self-reporting in one of five areas, appreciation of life. So if we come out the other end of whatever this is at the moment and we have a greater appreciation of life, you could say that we have had a form of post-traumatic growth. Um, also relationships with others. So our relationships in, in context of this, we could look at perhaps we have culled or limited relationships that were not serving as well and perhaps we have deepened relationships that had potential that there's new possibilities in life. And indeed, I'm, I'm hearing at the moment a number of conversations with people, which is around now that I've actually had time to be still and to think about things, I might actually want to change what I'm doing. Um, that there's greater personal strength and perhaps there's spiritual change that has occurred for people. And this all kind of, for me, when I was thinking about this the other day, it ties in to the adaptation of the Kubler-Ross curve. So, um, again, I think a couple of episodes ago, I talked about the Kubler-Ross curve uh, in the way that we use it in change and the fact that it is most valuable when we're thinking about grief and loss. Now, David Kessler, um, who was recently on Brené Brown's podcast, and I know I keep coming back to, have you listened to Brené Brown's podcast? But it, she is just producing such fantastic content at the moment that is so incredibly applicable to what's happening. It's must listen. Um, you know, uh, if, if you're not already downloading it and listening to it, please do. Um, but anyway, so she had a guest recently, a fellow by the name of David Kessler, who worked with Kubler-Ross before her passing, and they co-authored uh, books together. And what he's done is he's extended the five stages of grief and loss to a sixth stage, which is finding meaning. So whereas we get to the point of acceptance of grief, uh, he extends it to say that the next step is actually making meaning of that grief. So from this, you could sort of look at that if you can find meaning in grief, perhaps on some level you have benefited, benefited from the trauma. I'm conscious. Now, this I said before there was a bit I was going to check in with you 
around how we understand all of this um, because I'm conscious that in sharing this, just after I've talked about control and where is your focus and where do you choose to put your focus, people may make a link that is not useful. And that link would be as part of controlling on what you focus on, you focus on post-traumatic growth as an opportunity and it minimises the trauma that, you've, that you have undergone. Now, it doesn't work this way. Um, I'm simply raising post-traumatic growth at the moment as a possible path forward at the moment, not necessarily as a, you know, this is an objective for you to achieve and that you will be a failure if you get through this COVID experience and you haven't achieved some greater evolution of self and relationship with others and personal strengths and all those kind of things. That's not the relationship. Um, it was more about, hey, these are a couple of things that are happening at the moment and we can choose to put our focus uh, on areas that are useful to us. We can choose to think about the challenges that we're going through at the moment by way of, you know, is there meaning and honouring the grief that you are experiencing at the moment. And for those who are really distressed, at this will lead to all levels of problems. Um, there is opportunity, you know, that there is there are many people that come through in a better position. And again, we see this time and time again in organisational change to a lesser extent. So when people first hear about um, layoffs or restructures or spills and fills, there is an automatic assumption that this is something that is terrible. And yet when you check in with them three months later, six months later, a year later, so many of them have gone on to do better things because of that particular event, um, you know, that it has built their resilience, that they've opened up to new opportunities that they didn't think about. So it's one of those kind of things where you just have to have a little bit of faith in the process and remember that optimism begets optimism. Anyway, that's pretty much what I wanted to have a chat with you about today. Um, as always, I welcome your feedback. Uh, there is the new Patreon page that I'm now running as a way of checking in and providing you a more unfiltered version of me. And I've got to say, I'm having a little bit of fun with what I'm sharing on there because it's, it's, it's challenging me to think about, oh, what, what does authenticity really look like? If I'm actually enjoying this version of Jen, is that different to the version of Jen that you're seeing on LinkedIn? um or, or twitter or such like that so um anyway if you value the content that i produce um i would be very grateful for you to be a patron and you can get access to that unfiltered world but for now i wish you continued good health i wish you continued good humor and i'm hoping that your week is a comfortable week ahead take care You've been listening to a conversation of change with Dr. Jen Fram. You can find many more resources on leading change at my website, drjenfram.com. I welcome feedback on what else you'd like to hear on the podcast. Why not connect with me on Twitter at Jen Fram or LinkedIn? 